Hey, do-gooder, what do you do in September 12th and 13th? You should join us at Raise 2022. It is one of my favorite virtual events of all time, uh, brought to you by our sponsor, OneCause. Listen, if you want a lineup of incredibly talented and smart human beings on fundraising and marketing and event planning, well, you need to make it to Raise 2022. Go to onecause.com forward slash raise. Use the promo code DOGOOD22. It's for a $99 ticket that you'd normally pay $129 for, but because they are sponsors of the show and because they're amazing, they're going to give you a little bit of a discount. DOGOOD22 is the code. OneCause.com forward slash raise. Get your ticket today. I'm going to be there. You should be there. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Listen, it's one of the most compelling virtual experiences that you're going to have at a conference this year. I hope to see you there September 12th and 13th. Hey, these... Ticket prices and codes are good till the 15th of August. Come and join us. Come on. Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com, use the code word, do good better at checkout, and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Choosing a partner to help you achieve success in your business or personal finances is a big decision. You need a devoted advisor who's experienced and attentive and invested in helping you accomplish your goals. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Brady Martz. Brady Martz knows that you've got a lot of options to choose from, but we're confident that Brady Martz is the right accounting firm for you. they got more than a half a century of experience making everyday count through tax, accounting, audit, and business advisory services. So contact Brady Martz to learn more about their unique solutions that they can provide you and your nonprofit. Your organization is awesome. But sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. Uh, One of the things that we talk about all the time on the show is, uh, hey, have those big, hairy, audacious goals. You never know what's going to happen. You never know uh, where that could go and where that could lead you. Today's going to be one of those inspirational, hey, how in the heck can I do what I'm doing in my own community? And what do I need to do to kick myself in the rear to kind of do that? Well, I've got somebody who's going to talk about that, who's doing amazingly huge things. Probably not in your neck of the woods, though. It's going to be great. Uh, Salida Desola, she is the uh, co-founder and president of Glasswing International. Selena, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Patrick. I'm really excited to be here. I am super excited to have you uh, here. There's accolades galore that we're going to go over and give you high praise for. But what I'm really excited about is the audacity of uh, talking about how to get mental health services to individuals in huge populations in Central America that don't necessarily have access to that. And if you are a nonprofit and you're thinking, hey, what am I doing in my own community in Big Hairy Audacious Goals? Listen to this and then apply it to your own community and it's going to be amazing. So this is going to be great. But before we kind of start off with that, 
Uh, there's probably a lot of people who are clicking on iTunes and Spotify and seeing us on YouTube. They probably love the idea of all of this, but they might not know who you are and shame on them. So could you, uh, to kick us off, give us a 5,000 foot view on who you are, what you do and why we're talking today. Sure. Well, my name is Selena Esola. I'm a woman from El Salvador and I am a social entrepreneur with a background in public health and social work. So um, I'm lucky to work with amazing people in um, 10, 10 different countries now, but um, in, in throughout Latin America and a few of my colleagues in New York City. And I feel privileged and lucky to be able to do the work I do every day to, um, through Glasswing, which is the organization we co-founded with two other founders, to address the root causes and consequences of violence, poverty, um, forest migration, and some of the challenges we're really facing. Honestly, I think as someone, we face a lot of similar challenges, especially now how mental health's come to the fore. So uh, I also love animals and wildlife, and I have an 11-year-old son. <laughs> That's perfect. I love that. Okay. So uh, first of all, thanks for being on the show. Secondly, thanks for tackling something that is um, one of these massive realizations I think we've had in the last couple of years of like, wow, we should maybe pay attention to our uh, mental health. And we should also pay attention to some of the root causes of that or the results of, of, of some of the experiences that we've had to sort of deal with this in order to stop whatever we we'll kind of assume generational cycles and uh, sort of generational uh, trauma that then gets passed down and then everything goes to hell in a handbasket. How do you stop this at the root cause? So can you talk to me a little bit about the founding of Glasswing and why that was sort of the impetus for a lot of the things that you're doing today? Sure. Um, you know, I think I uh, personally, I used to do a lot of humanitarian aid work. We founded this with my husband and my brother, actually, 15 years ago. And each of us kind of came at it from a different way. My brother's in business. He was really interested in volunteerism and how civil society could get more engaged in uh, affecting change. And I, like I said, I come from kind of a programming background, um, not computer programming, not even close, but programs. <laughs> and <clears throat> Ken had worked in government, local government. He was on city council. He's the only non-Latino on the uh, founding members. And we all wanted to do something. Um, you know, we all wanted to find ways to do, to, to do something where we could help kids, right. Help support kids um, so they can thrive, so they can um, address their priorities. Right. We try to not even say needs because you're like, we want kids to um, tell us what it is that their priorities are and what we can do to enable that. So I think all of us were really big on just not, we weren't even thinking really that big in the beginning. We were just like, let's work with young people. Let's see what they need in these communities. And of course, mental health always, when you're looking at whether it's violence or just even um, thriving in school, mental health is so foundational. So it's always been part of what we do. Um, and we know that without addressing that, it's really difficult to, to have any other results that you want. Right. And I think we're all, you know, in this post pandemic or, we're still in the pandemic, I suppose, but in this context, we all see the need for this even more. So right. um, that's really been a, a huge part of what we do since we started. What sort of the programming do you have you sort of developed and what sort of programming is done through Glasswing that addresses some of those issues? And especially in, that's a big swath yeah. of individuals that you're serving in that general, you know, Central American corridor too. Um, but what kind of programming did you kind of come up with and what have you found the most effective uh, yeah. as, as a part of this? 
Um, so we have a couple of programs that we have found effective. And I think, look, we're all on this call. We're all practitioners or a lot of us are. I think a lot of times we throw spaghetti on the wall and you're like, what's going to work, right? Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Yes, we're evidence-based, but evidence from one place doesn't always apply to our context. And I think um, that and alongside what, what Lao Tzu, this philosopher said, you know, a thousand mile journey starts with one step. So I think keeping that in mind and not always, it's thinking, being audacious about where we want to go, but understanding that it, you know, it takes us all a long time to get there. Um, a lot of times for things outside of our control, but um, I, you know, I think the, the programs that I, that I'd mentioned that I focus on one is called community schools in the U.S., there are a lot of programs like this where we run after school programs in schools. We only have schooling for either morning shift or afternoon shift. So kids, for the most part, aren't in school all day in most of the countries we work in. So we, we use the middle of the day when the school is empty and we run after school programs that are led by volunteers. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's really thinking at, at kind of the, the unit for us of of change in that in that is the school, the school infrastructure, the, the teachers, volunteers, students, a lot of the students volunteer with their younger peers. Um, so that's one of our programs that, and I think we learn so much from that because we're constantly talking to young people and they're constantly giving us their feedback. Um, so that's our community schools that engages parents, teachers. Um, we, we've tried all kinds of stuff, you know, we do restorative practices. We've integrated mindfulness like we read what all of us read on this call probably like what's the best thing to do for what you know whether we're working in environmental issues or positive youth development so we try it and we see how it resonates and then we also work in the health sector primarily um, training government employees and in different you know whether it's emergency care um, like like emergency training like CPR, surprisingly not everybody, um, uh, emergency medical care kind of, I would say, but not cl- not like surgeries. I mean, more CPR advanced um, life support, basic life support, pediatric life support. Um, and, then, and then we also have the mental health training for government. For us, it's really important, Patrick, to train government employees because we feel like they're the ones who are going to be serving like civil servants. And I think we've elevated the value so much lately, which is great. But for us, it's super important because to reach as many people as we want, we really need to team up. Even if it's so hard, we need to team up with civil service institutions. So we work with, um, we work a lot with public health system and then also with child protection, which in the U S I think it's structured a little differently, but we work a lot with child protection entities, those that work with migration, with children, with, um, juvenile justice, for example. So I love about this. Yeah, no, I love about this too, is uh, a couple of things to just to kind of uh, digest it for someone who's listening to this and like, okay, I want to get into this. I want to make some, uh, some moves. I want to expand our programs or services. I love the spaghetti at the wall sort of thing and the ability or the willingness to see what works, but also have the patience to try it for a significant amount of time and not give up the ghost for something that out of the gate maybe doesn't or needs a little bit of tweaking. So I love that. What I also love that you mentioned is how to train those in spheres of power on what you do as a program so that they understand the need, number one. And then number two, if they're in the decision-making roles or they're in the seats of, uh, of decision-making power, at least you've got a seat at the table for consideration for implementing a lot of these programs. How do you, how did you kind of, um, how do you do that? Number one, because I think there's a lot of small, medium-sized nonprofits that say, 
well, nobody wants to meet us about this or nobody wants to, nobody's interested in that particular thing. How do you go about connecting with those civil servants, the, 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 the government entities who at, at a bare minimum, at least know about what you do. So when they're considering or they hear the word mental health or, uh, or, or community-based services, they at least acknowledge, hey, you know what, who I met, this Selena gal was really great. Uh, and they, at least they know who to call when they have a question about it. How do you do that? Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of things that worked for us. Again, this won't always work for everyone. One is if we call, so you kind of gently stalk, right? Until you finally get someone <laughs> in some cases. Yep. The other thing is we don't come with a folder of information about our organization, like no like printed pamphlets, nothing. It's trying to connect at a really human level and saying, you know, Selena's going to meet with Patrick and and we're going to have a conversation because we're both people, right? Outside yep. of what you do and what sphere you work in and whether you have the same political views, really trying to not go in with a pitch, but understand and, and ask, I think the first question, and for a while we would come in and just do a pitch and we'd bring our folder and we'd say, these are the things we do. But now it's like, so what are your, we sit in the question, we, we ask more questions and we do, then we bring information. So we're like, what are your priorities? Like, what are you looking to do? How are you guys? And then, you know, and then saying, we want to be a part of helping you. So in that conversation, you'll hear their priorities and then you can respond and then it integrate what you do, right? So you can say, okay, so if your priority is better mental health for children or school retention, you're like, okay, you know, we actually are really aligned in that. You know, as an organization, we're really looking to do the same thing. Um, we'd love to help you achieve your goals, right? And I think, and and from an authentic place, I don't think it's it's saying we want to help you achieve your goals, we understand your goals, we share that vision. You don't have to share the politics, you don't have to share the political party, but at the end of the day, it's reducing it to how you can have alignment. Um, and then third, look, how do people introduce something new into a market where it doesn't exist? You give samples, right? Like when you're walking on the street and someone's introducing some new drink or some new like power bar or whatever, candy bar, there or whatever energy thing, they'll give you a taste. So a lot of what we've done with government, because again, we have to maintain independence. We can't get politicized or the partisan things really crush you as an independent NGO. So what we do is we say, you know, we're, we start off with mental health in particular, our entry point is self-care. Mm -hmm. So we say, look, we can, why don't we offer, you guys must be super stressed. You're under a lot of pressure. We can actually offer a self, like a course on self-care. It's this many hours, like whatever, three, four hours, um, and it's really practical. And this is, you know, we'd love to offer that. And then so also give you a sense of, of, of how we work. And and interestingly, once you start doing that, so you essentially volunteer for a while, right? And then and then people get to know the way you work, that you're authentically committed to this. And and, and within civil service, you don't have to go to decision makers. You also only, right? You also want to go if you can't get to the decision makers, if they never respond to your email start with your local school or local clinic and just say, you know, we're volunteers. We'd love to give you some tips on self-care and training or whatever it is you guys do. But basically do that, give that um, first training or, or, or taste of what you do, but something they'll walk away with, like not just go give a PowerPoint on your organization, but something super tangible and practical that'll actually help them. And they'll walk out of there with new tips on how to manage anxiety, how to breathe, how to whatever it is. And and that then that's great because you're generating a demand 
for what you're doing. So it's not just you making a pitch. There's already an echo of people who are like, oh, I can vouch for that, you know? And I think that's been a really staying out of the partisan stuff and doing that has been really good for us because it generates that sense of solidarity and and authentic commitment to what you're trying to do. And, And frankly, we've stepped across political boundaries the whole time. Like, I don't think anybody can place where we are on the political spectrum because we work with everybody. And that's been our goal because personally we may have opinions about things, but I think to reach communities, we need to, we need to just focus on our goal. Right. And, and try to, you know, clear out the noise sometimes because otherwise those that, those that miss out are people who could benefit from all the amazing thing you guys are doing. Right. So I feel like if you have been listening to this podcast already, and I realize we're only like 15 minutes in or whatever the case may be, what you should have heard was an entire blueprint on how to engage in regardless if they're a donor or regardless if you're trying to pitch a program or a service or your mission in whatever sense. If you picked up on what Selena was saying, it's a couple of things. One, connect with people at a human level. Do not think that they are government entity robots or uh, people with just a- as ATMs. These are people. These They have the same uh, sort of issues and problems and perspectives as we do. They might not align correctly uh, politically, but that's okay because we all are people, which means you can go into a meeting without a pitch and you can just have a conversation and you can ask better questions. What I love most about this too is that regardless if you're trying to get into a government uh, facility or some sort of uh, group or or even a, a donor base or an individual for a donor, it's all relationship building. Asking them a question, what's your biggest pet peeve or what's your biggest pain point? What are your uh, thoughts about X, Y, and Z within your realm of expertise, regardless of whatever your nonprofit is? Say, oh, interesting. We could probably help with that. Would you uh, can, would you allow us to come back with a formal proposal on how we can help you solve X, Y, and Z that you talked about here? Which means you can go back to your office, put together a pitch that's not generalized, but very specific to the pain point that they actually have in the first place. And all of a sudden you seem like a rock star because you actively listened and then proactively put together a proposal that solves something that they were telling you out because you asked the right question. This is so basic uh, best practices from a fundraising standpoint, a marketing standpoint, a program development standpoint. It's absolutely brilliant. So please rewind this. Go listen back to the last 10 minutes when Selena was talking about because she's giving you the, the tips and tricks and tools on how you do this regardless of where you are. Brilliant. I mean, I guess, you know what it is, Patrick, if someone came up to you and just started selling something, like I always admire these kids on the street who like have to come up to people and sell something because I'm like, worst job ever, right? It's so yeah. hard. That it's just you don't want it. It's not that that you just don't want to be approached that way. So it's just thinking about how the other thing is, you guys don't waste time writing a giant proposal. So do that and then send like a concept. Like, why don't we team up on this? And don't write 20 pages yet. Because if that's not, if you haven't nailed it, if you didn't get it exactly right, but you got it kind of right, at least you'll only have submitted two pages <laughs> instead yes. of three. And don't say what things cost. If people ask you in a meeting, like, what, what would it cost to do that? Say, well, let me talk to my team and get back to you. Like, don't throw out a number because you may throw out a number that's lower than what it costs. And backpedaling from that is super hard. So these are all these mistakes that I feel like we made for so many years. And we can, I mean, we keep making them, of course, but, right. but we did learn that. Like, don't throw out anything specific up front, and particularly with budgets. So then you don't end up um, under 
under requesting or whatever. I don't know how you say that. <laughs> what were some of, what were some of the learning uh, curves that you got through when you're sort of positioning yourself as like, hey, we want to be the organization that helps the most amount of people in the widest swath of individuals here in Central America, right? So what does that look like? And what sort of things did you go, oh, that went, that went horribly wrong? Or here's what we learned about from these conversations. Because I, I feel like what you, what you in, intimated there too was we think we need to get everything perfect in the nonprofit world, right? Our 20-page proposal paper has to have every single piece of information in it. Otherwise, nobody will say yes. When we know that people have the attention span of gnats and only want to have the vision casting with us. What did you learn from your first couple of, um, of steps down this road? And how did you adjust? Oh my gosh, there's so many learnings. I think, I mean, I, I'm focusing on this because the fundraising, you know, right now we're coming out of having gotten this amazing funding from the Audacious Project. And it's there's such a long road to get there, right? right. It's such an... I, and and to be honest, in the beginning, I think we were always big thinking in terms of what we wanted to do. Definitely not to this magnitude, right? But I think also keeping the the root in the deep scale, right? Before you, so one thing for us that's important is if we don't scale deep and really understand, and then um, not just be evidence based, but look at what we're doing and and ask the people we're working with if this is making sense and have them very involved in. Um, so we can pivot and do it right. So I think that's one thing that's really important that that continuous request, you can't just say, oh, 15 years ago, we asked kids in the school, you know, what was most helpful for them, right? And, and, and then, and there's evidence that having a caring adult in your life is really effective for many, like there is all that evidence, but how does that play out where you are and who is that caring adult and how, what's the dosage, so to speak, like how many hours a day, what do you need? So I think on the one hand, it's really, understanding what we do in a way that in these conversations with whether they're potential funders or partners, we can speak to that really well. And, and for me personally, it's a challenge now because I'm not in the field as much, right? Yeah. So now when you're representing, and for those of you who aren't in the field, for all of us, it's harder to speak to very specific things. So I think it's important for us to keep getting out as much as possible when we can, even if it's just for a morning to go, um, you know, really connect with the programming again, because even if we're an organization of 10 people, if you're out facing and fundraising all the time, it's really tough to stay out. Um, and then I also think another lesson learned that, that I think we make this mistake a lot, we still do, is being really jargony about the way we talk about things. So for some reason, it's like, I always felt like I had to sound like I knew technically what I was talking about. And, and that sometimes meant using words that nobody really understands. It's like, as if some, like, I don't know, um, you know, some sort of engineer came in and started talking to me or some tech person. And I had no idea what they were talking about. So I think we just have to use plain speak. Um, and, you know, we were like, Oh, and well, even when, you know, when I said to you guys, we address the root causes, yeah, root causes, I guess is more understood at least in the world that I exist in, but really we're trying to keep kids away from violence and help them thrive. Right. Like, what does that mean in plain plain Spanish, English, whatever your yep. languages are. So I think that that's really important. Don't feel like you have to demonstrate how it will come off. Like your, your experience and expertise will come across very clearly. You don't have to use jargon because I feel like that's super off-putting. Um, and we, it's taken us a long time. We've been around for 15 years, um, probably not as long as some of you, but I think 
it's taken us a long time to really get into the practice of not speaking like we write proposals. Right. Well, you said something earlier too. There's an authenticity piece to here, right? right? So if you're going to go up and you're going to make all these big words and and you're trying to convince this organization or person to give you money and they feel dumber because they don't understand what you're talking about, they're not going to connect as deep and as awesome as, as yeah. you're something. Yeah. Right. So like, then don't make them feel like that. Plus, Nobody wants to sound like that person, right? We just want to like have, it goes back to that conversation. How do you connect as a person, meet people where they are and not BS them away on these, all the super uh, fancy pants pieces. And I think that's really such a wonderful piece of advice. You're the expert. You know how to do this. You don't have to prove yourself. You've been in the field. You do the programming. You're part of the solution. You're doing the work. Just do that. It's going to be fine. Uh, I think I love that plain speak. Speaking of plain speak and speaking of, well, speaking of speaking, um, you're, uh, you've got a TED Talk out there that's got like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views, which is just awesome. And it's great. Yeah. Um, I think, which is, which is awesome. How important is it as a nonprofit leader to position yourself to speak in front and be in that, like have those opportunities to spread your uh, message and, and how, and how, because I feel like we don't want to brag about a lot or we don't want to put ourselves in a position to speak on these stages and become that almost um, nonprofit celebrity piece where I think it's almost an obligation to a nonprofit leader to put yourself in a position to be that voice and reason because you're the expert. Can you talk about that experience and how many doors that it has opened up for you um, for, for, the, for doing a TED Talk and sort of having that kind of explode on the interwebs? So... A couple things there. One is I never imagined I would do a TED Talk. I never was working towards a TED Talk. Like I, that's just kind of out of my galaxy, right? Like it was just not on the radar. Um, so I was never, public speaking gives me, like I, I do it all the time, but I get, for something like that, I get super nervous, right? Like, you know, one our, our once a year fundraiser, I get super nervous. Like I don't, but, but you know where I don't get as nervous because it's more of a conversation and I do... I have always sought out, not just for me, but as like, yet for me, but also as an organization, I've sought out personally, and then we've sought out as an organization opportunities to do panels, Mm -hmm. to be involved in conferences. So whenever there is an opportunity to be involved, I think panels are great. Even if they're asking you to moderate, do it. Um, And then on that panel, talk, don't pitch. Don't say what you do unless they're asking you just talk about the issue. And, and that I think goes super far because people will look you up. They'll find you because you're going to be listed and they'll see what you do. What you want to do there is that kind of bring forward who you are, what you know, why, whatever the questions are, but speak to the issue. If the issue is child protection, if it's whatever, mental health, if it's, I don't know, um, justice, climate, speak to the issue. I think that goes far because nobody wants to be pitched at when you're on a panel, you're there to learn, but call up. I mean, it's not, it's no accident, right? When you get involved or you get awards, it's because you've applied to a million. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's a million. And then, and it's just work and work and work. So, but I do think I didn't seek out opportunities to public speak in, in like just myself. I did um, and, and I did, and now we all do like in the organization, because everybody gets nervous with that. Like nobody wants yeah. to, I'm sorry, because whenever someone else does it on the team, they're like, ah, can we, you know, I, someone else should do it. Like nobody wants to do it. But once you start doing panels, I think 
it's a lot less scary because it is a conversation. And, and that does give you great exposure, even if it seems unrelated or it seems small, you don't know who's going to be in that audience. Um, so I think that's really great. I mean, we, the TED talk was an amazing experience. Of course, I didn't, you know, we didn't know we were going to be doing a TED talk until kind of the end of the process. So um, it was a proposal, it was a whole proposal process and a pitch process for that. But in general, I, I've found that I've met amazing people at conferences. Go show like they, I don't know who said it, but it's this idea of just showing up, show up. And if it's tangentially related to what you do, show up. Yeah. And if you can't get on the panel, show up because yeah. you will socialize and go to everything. Even if you're exhausted and you're an introvert, find a way or go with a colleague who is not an introvert and find a way to rally and do the things after hours. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a happy hour cocktail or people are having lunch, I recommend not going to your room and getting on your computer and checking emails. Do that at night and in, oh, well, you're going to sacrifice sleep for a few hours. But I found that being in front of people and and getting to know each other, even if it's over whatever the social event is, the, the walk in the woods, that is the best, right? For any kind of, that's how people do think about like the stereotype of these bunch of guys playing golf kind of thing. And that's where they do business. You know, I think that's where you connect with people. People give to people. Yeah. Right? Well, to people. yeah, I, I, I love this because um, I think we got into a very great and comfortable role over the last couple of years, sitting behind our computers and just kind of hopping on and doing one-offs and this find a podcast to be on, find a panel to be on, find a conference to go to find a, um, a, a local uh, community group to speak in front of, get out and talk about your stuff. We talk about like, how do you, how do you get more donors? Tell your story to as many people as possible, right? From that crew, somebody's going to find genuine interest in you. And that organic conversation is way more authentic and way more valuable than whatever you paid to get in front of somebody's thought process, right? Because they're coming up to you or they're researching you, they're doing you their own digging. Um, that kind of thing is just uh, invaluable. And then keeping a value that's what you do. Give as much value as you possibly can for your expertise. I love the no pitch pitch because they're like, how do I, how do I work with this person? I don't even know. I better get a business card or, or I better look them up on the interwebs. Wow. I didn't know what they did. I should call to kind of get to know them a little bit better. And if you follow up with a phone call or you get a business card, you've never made a pitch. Hey, Selena, we met at this conference. I wanted to follow up. This was, you did a great job. Uh, speaking, I'd love to pick your brain about uh, other things, or here's a topic that you found that I found interesting that I'd love more information on. Boom. Now you've made a friend. Exactly. And that person's got friends who are also going to talk nicely about you because you were one of those things, right? That is the best. Isn't it? One of your funders and you get to know them. They really get to know your work. That is the best because when a funder tells another funder, forget Mm. it. The other thing is be super honest about how stuff is going. When you do have a grant and all of a sudden there's something that went south and you have to change something, go back to your funder, tell them. They will really like that you're telling them that. Instead of trying to cover it up and say, this is all amazing, go back, not after the fact, but during. It's a great time. It's a great way to stay engaged, even though it seems super scary and say, listen, you know, we really didn't expect this to happen. We thought we were out of the woods with COVID, but we're having a lot less turnout for our activities. So would you mind giving us an extension um, on the implementation of this project as we kind of 
recalibrate and, and yeah. realize. So be super honest about how your things are going once you do get the funding, because then that funder will speak to other funders about your authenticity as a person, but also the authenticity and the integrity you have as an organization. And that goes super far. I think just people feeling like you're going to tell it to them like it is. And um, I think it kind of tent comes off of the no, like the, the pitch thing, like just say like it is right. Um, people appreciate, we all appreciate that. I appreciate that too. <laughs> well, and especially in a realm where people are always vying to say the perfect right thing, you doing the opposite of perfecting all the verbiage and you becoming authentic and calling your funders and calling your donors and calling your people just to have a, a, a conversation that's real. You already separate yourself from everybody else. Because everybody else is trying to do it uh, picture perfect and you're just being real and being yourself and being authentic. And that's kind of awesome. Um, it's uh, it's big and it's hairy and it's audacious. Uh, the goals that you have set out currently uh, at Glasswing, what's the next big venture? What is the next big thing that you're already planning? Because if, if, I'm, if I'm vibing correct, <laughs> this sort of entrepreneurial brain that you've got going on here is always thinking for the next thing down the line. What's that next step in the process that you want to achieve as part of uh, getting in front of groups or getting in front of uh, individuals to help sort of this mental health or, or these, uh, these things you're kind of working on? So two things. One is, <clears throat> yes, I am always thinking. Um, and, and the funny thing is we have this analogy in the organization. <laughs> I'm the one with like the pedal to the metal, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm like under the dash. <clears throat> Ken is the one steering in with his hand on the brake. And Diego was the one like honking the horn. <laughs> I love so you have that balance. Like I cannot, I don't even know how to do an Excel spreadsheet, right? I think I can do some all. That's it. <clears throat> so I think it's, I just want to mention that because on teams and you guys probably have this. And then there's our amazing team, like the country directors, everybody who actually does the work. Yeah. So it, it really is like there may be like someone crazy or five of us who are crazy in the organization, but we need someone alongside like my colleagues will be, you know, our education team will be like, you're crazy. That's a terrible idea. So I think that, that it's exciting to have that audacious, um, ambitious, uh, uh, let's scale, let's do big, let's go big. But then you need someone to say, how about we don't because we haven't figured that out yet. Or how about we don't because we'll lose quality. So um, I, I think uh, right now the the two things that, that I think and one for mental health is as we've started to, to implement this audacious project, we're seeing the, just the opportunities in other countries as well. So we're kind of balancing that as we finalize the content for the three countries we're working in, with this mental health, the trauma and self-care mental health, the audacious project, we're trying to um, see when the timing could be right to work with. For example, some people who saw the TED talk are like, can we do this in, you know, X city in another country? So we're trying to figure out how, what the mechanisms would be. And if it's a country we're already in or not um, to be able to share this with, with other public institutions, particularly municipalities, which we hadn't really put in as like a point of intervention because we were looking at the ministries, right? So that's something that that I think would be really interesting if we can find a way to share this um, and then just have people kind of take it from there, right? And let go mm -hmm. and not say, okay, not be super uh, over um, protective about um, 
not overprotective, but I'll say the perfect is the enemy of good kind of thing. Like, like yeah. sure. so. Um, and then the other thing is, I think we're trying to figure out constantly. It's not so much what's the next big thing, but we are we're working on this um, youth core, this Central American Youth Service Core, and. Um, I think it's something different for us. We've always done volunteerism and service and youth, but we have now this like possibility to, to provide stipends um, in some cases, which is really exciting. So it's really, it's different, right? It's kind of replicating the AmeriCorps, yeah. adapting to replicating the AmeriCorps city year model. So those are two things we're looking at just to see how taking into account after the pandemic, the economic situation, like you just... This the, the the jargony word is the intersectionality. I just feel like we we have so many issues simultaneously impacting the the, the communities we work in and uh, um, our own community. Every you know all different contexts that we need to think in a more complex way about how to how to address these challenges. And I think that's um, where we are now. And and complexity uh, involves a lot of different people. So just kind of not not going it alone. So that's why for us it's important to work with um, with you know, government partners and whoever we can, even if it's super, super challenging. Right. Well, I think that I think the lesson here too is the the going it alone thing is never going to work. Right. And you have to involve as many people as possible to make that vision come true. And I, what I love about it is that you don't have a hesitation about partnering up or you see the value in that. And I think as part of our nonprofit leaders who are listening uh, to this and saying, listen, I need to do this. It's my way. This is the only way we can do it. And this thing, where your involvement with other organizations is going to give you a better perspective. It's going to give you a uh, it's an understanding in real time what other people are experiencing. Uh, you get a, a swath of, uh, of of influencers and other potential donors on board just by saying yes to partnerships, uh, which is one of the things that is the most hard thing to do at nonprofits because we think, well, they're going to steal our donors or our idea or whatever. Oh, Great. yeah. Great. You know what? Here's the thing, though. Is it your purpose to solve whatever problem it is? And so if another group can do it just as well as you can, and you do it, didn't you win? Isn't that the best part of the end game for God's sakes? All right. So it's fine. Uh, so yeah, I think a lot of people are going to want to go and find out more about what you do. And they're also going to probably figure out how they can help you do that, but they might not know where to go. Is there a place where we could learn a little bit more about Glasswing and what you're doing and what the big hairy audacious goals you have going on next? Yes, I mean, we'd love to, um, you know, stay in touch and hear from you guys. Um, we have all the social media, whether it's Glasswing I, Glasswing Int, like international, um, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. And we, you know, I think we love having people who are interested come volunteer, or get involved in different ways, um, and or just reach out to me too. Uh, I, I always, I might take a little bit, but I do look at all my emails um, and and I, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you uh, reach out to us and get engaged. And, and glass, at Glasswing, we're, you know, we're always trying to learn. So I'm sure that your experiences could really add to what we're doing as well. So please let us know if you also have some suggestions or ideas and experience in the areas of work that we're in, um, because we, we're really grateful for the opportunity to Exchange uh, I love it. Well, as always, we will put all of those links in the show notes. We'll put uh, the website and the uh, social media stuff. We'll probably put in the TED Talk too. We'll probably even sneak in an email address if that might be appropriate as well. Um, and then, by, by the way, while you're clicking on it on the interwebs, 
If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you probably should. And you should probably leave a review because this is kind of the five-star guest that we get on the podcast. Uh, Selena, and then go immediately back to the uh, show notes and then go click on a whole bunch of stuff and give as much money and time and energy and effort you can. It's a glass wing. Uh, Selena, thank you so much for being a guest here. Uh, this is awesome. Thanks so much for what you, you uh, do. Uh, tackling some of this stuff is some of the most difficult work. Uh, it's probably the most rewarding work, uh, but it's very challenging to go and work with uh, the number of different perspectives and governments and, and entities that you have to do. But I applaud uh, not only your enthusiasm, but the, your willingness to work with everybody and just your your vibe is awesome. And I'm so glad that uh, that we met on the interwebs to do this particular thing here. Thank but you most for of all, opportunity. yeah. Well, and, and again, and most of all, thank you so much for being a guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast. Look, as someone who listens to the show, you know that I love helping small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we bring on the awesome experts and guests that get to talk to you about how to make your organization more awesome. So I've got a deal for you. I would like to help you. I would like to work with you. So if you go to dogooduniversity.com, that's dogooduniversity.com, and you register for one of the courses, I'm going to send you my best-selling book, Fundraise Awesomer, A Practical Guide to Staying Sane While Doing Good for Free, because I really want you to do amazing work. Listen, dogooduniversity.com. Go pick out something, whether it's a board training or a gratitude training or whatever webinar you want to choose. Um, Use the promo code podcast. Take 25% off of anything that you purchase. And I'm going to throw in a book as well because I want you to do awesome. I want you to do awesomer. And I want you to do good better. Go to dogooduniversity.com today. Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or, I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word "Do Good Better" at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Hey, you busy fundraiser. Yeah, you. Listen, I know you're busy planning an event and you shouldn't have to worry about what software you're using for events and online giving and peer-to-peer fundraising and auctions and mobile bidding and text to give. It's all at one cause, onecause.com. Listen, I've been using OneCause for a long time with clients all over. It's designed for busy fundraisers. It's intuitive. It's a powerful fundraising solution for your next event and you should be using it. Go to onecause.com. They're a sponsor of the show. They're amazing. They're awesome. And there's free resources galore at onecause.com. Check them out today. Choosing a partner to help you achieve success in your business or personal finances is a big decision. You need a devoted advisor who's experienced and attentive and invested in helping you accomplish your goals. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Brady Martz. Brady Martz knows that you've got a lot of options to choose from, but we're confident that Brady Martz is the right accounting firm for you. they got more than a half a century of experience making every day count through tax, accounting, audit, and business advisory services. So contact Brady Martz to learn more about their unique solutions that they can provide you and your nonprofit. 